Hallelujah. Thank you, Miss Diane. See, y'all, I celebrate people that have that gifting. If I wrote something like that, y'all would be like, did he have his crayons out and got bored? And so I'm so thankful that we have people gifted at, that the arts, we have people that have written song, worship songs that go all over the, the nation. And so I'm thankful and I celebrate that. And especially on this beautiful Resurrection Sunday, I'm glad I get to share this just a few moments with you. Um, I know um, many of you may know this, but this is the day that changed everything. This is the game. This is not just another day. This is the day that said forever and ever and ever, no more will God hold man's sins against him. No more. He is welcomed in. He is brought in. It is like he has broken the power of sin, sickness, and death forever and ever and ever and so I thought about this as I was growing up. I remember two things when I was growing up, what Easter or Resurrection Sunday represented. And uh, maybe you may have these same memories, I don't know, but there were two things that came to mind, and that is um, new clothes and candy. Those were the two ones growing up were, were kind of kind of kind of preeminent in my mind. I remember I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, right down the road, went to a Catholic church, uh, St. Patrick's, where my mom is still attending today. Love her. It was fun. And um, I remember that um, as we, when we woke up in the morning, it was the one day that we were able to uh, eat candy for breakfast for some reason. I don't know why. But we woke up and there was these baskets full of candy, and there were seven of us, and so, and uh, we would, they'd be full of candy, and you'd have your name on it, and I'd look for the one with Mark, and, and it, when I did, I looked around and said, I wonder if Mitchell and Michael aren't looking, because, or Michelle, and I might ease some of their candy, too, just try to be greedy, because as a kid, that happens, um, just being honest with you in church. But um, we got to eat, we got to dig in before that. How many of you know when you start out your morning with candy, it's going to be an exciting day right there, <laughs> at least for 30 or 45 minutes, that's all. <laughs> no, and I remember after that, we'd dig in, and then we would go to church just like this. And by the way, you look great this morning. I just want to tell you. Matter of fact, instead of me telling you, why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them you look good this morning? Now look at the other one, the, the muscle. You look good this morning. Make sure everybody gets that. It's amazing when you say that. Everybody's like, oh, I look good. Okay. Maybe that's for the women because men, let's be honest, let's be honest, guys. We got this view of ourselves. We can look in the mirror and go, ooh, you look okay. Women look in the mirror, they're going, oh, no, I see this. Oh, what? So it's important if you have to make sure and tell each other because I know especially you have small children. Some of y'all are busy getting everybody, hey, get in the car, we got to go, we got to get, get, go. You forget to look and say, oh, oh, hey, you look good. So as a matter of fact, we would go to church and then we'd come home and we had to take pictures in those clothes. Anybody remember that? Well, hey, I thought I'd take you down, stroll down my memory lane for just a moment. And I know many of you got those too. I've got just a few from way back in the day. <laughs> Oh, Lordy. <laughs> I'll let y'all try to figure out which one is <laughs> me in there. Uh, there's a couple more there that, um, oh, yeah, that's our first one. Hey, y'all, before that, that was, a, so let me help y'all with that. 
That is six of us that my mom had in eight years. Yeah, that's what we came up in right there. And then this next one, we're going to show a little fashion in there, y'all. Watch out. <laughs> Come on, the leisure suit came out with the long collar. Watch out. <laughs> There's my whole family, my incredible dad. He's in heaven with Jesus right now. My mom, she's 83, still serving at the Catholic Church, loving Jesus. I love her. So that, that's mine. And by the way, here's what I'd love for y'all to do. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, uh, Christian Renewal Church does, I would love for you to get some of yours if you're on that, that, that medium, that social media. If you would, I'd love to see some of yours. Now, I don't get on there very often, but for that, I would definitely get on there. I want to come, I want to see some of you and your little, you know, different ones where you're breaking out the cheese for them. I'd love to do that. And so after that, after we would take our pictures, then we would come home and we would have a bazillion eggs colored, and we would go hunt them, and then we'd eat egg stuff for the next week. Like, any way you can make eggs, seven kids. I mean, we had egg salad, and egg salad, and egg salad, and we had, it's like, what are we having for lunch? Uh, I'm gonna get an egg salad sandwich. Um, we did get to put relish in it and some other stuff that we enjoyed. But anyhow, those were, those were, growing up, but as I continue to grow and get older, it began to have more of a profound impact in my life. And I began to, to think about in 1986, when I had a transformation, which we're singing about and worshiping today, when Jesus became alive to me, when he resurrected me out of a life mixed up, messed up, completely broken, busted, and disgusted. Anybody got that testimony? <laughs> broken, busted, and disgusted. And Jesus came, and all of a sudden, for the first time, Resurrection Sunday took on a whole new meaning. In, in February is when I came to faith in Christ. And so about May or April, I, don't, I didn't go back to 86 when Easter was, but um, y'all can do that if you want. But I thought, this has got to be the greatest. And then I thought, well, hold it. It, it is one of the greatest because if, I, if we read Scripture right, you can't have a, a death, burial, and resurrection without there first being a birth, which we celebrated just a few months ago. Anybody remember that one? It's, no, it's already over. We're looking for the next one already. <laughs> That's how we operate. But to think about that one is the beginning where God became man. In other words, he made man and he, we were, had communion with him and we were united. But on that day, on that day, God said, I'm not going to be up here and you're going to worship me from this way. I'm coming. I'm coming in hot and I'm coming in just like you. Like, I'm going to take on your nature. I'm going to take on your look. Like, we were born, and we were created in his likeness and his image. And Jesus said, you know what? I made you in my image, and guess what I'm going to do? I love you so much, I'm going to actually take on your image. And he became a man and lived among us. And if I, as I read through the Gospels, and if I read them correctly, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this thing called the good news, it starts with a birth. And then it tells of the incredible miracles that took place during Jesus' life. But guess what? It only started 
when he was 30. So we have few references at 12. We see him in the temple uh, trying to, uh, to amazing all the religious leaders. But then at 30, he begins to start on his ministry journey. And we saw miracles. There's all kinds of miracles. I encourage you, if you haven't read the Gospels in a while, go dive in there. I love all of them. I mean, think of right now, take a moment. Think of what is your greatest miracle that was it, you know, was it blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road screaming, you know, Jesus, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. Was it the woman at the well who, who, who was caught, you know, the one at the well who Jesus stopped to talk to for a minute and asked her for a drink of water and then she breaks out the, the whole thing of, of, hey, well, you don't have anything to draw from. And he goes, takes her down the path to where she opens up and when he tells her to go get her husband and recognizes, she says, I don't have a husband. <laughs> he goes, no, you don't have five of them. <laughs> but he didn't do it to embarrass her. He did it in such a way, she's like, oh, she even said, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> Something just tells me that. But I look at that and I see the way he operated with people that she didn't feel offended. She didn't feel upset. She felt drawn to him like, uh-oh, I want to know more. And matter of fact, left and went and brought her whole, whole city and village to him saying, come on, come see a man who told me everything about my life. And the funny thing about that is you got to know the people in the town. You know, people in small towns back then, it was, they're like, did he tell you everything? <laughs> and he said, yeah, she, yes, he told me everything, but demonstrated so much love in the process. I mean, she couldn't help but Y'all got to come. Y'all got to come. So it could be that one. It could be uh, Mary washing his feet with her tears. It could be him giving the parable of the lost things in Luke 15 where he dealt with a lost sheep saying, I'll leave 99 and I'll go after one. I'll, I'll do the coin, you know, I'll, out of 10. I'll search for the one. Out of the prodigals, I'll keep my eyes looking even though you mixed up, messed up, don't know who you are. He's going to keep his eyes looking after us so we get to come running home to a robe and a ring. You don't come home to punishment. You don't come up home to, to hey, I, I'm mad at you. You're fixing to get a beating. You come home to, I got a robe and a ring for you, son. Come on. I want you to discover who I've created you to be. So with all these gospels, they're, they're great. And all of them have a different angle and a lens that we read through. But I love John, especially during this season, because John's called the beloved. That's what he said about himself, by the way. <laughs> John was the beloved, and, and the Holy Spirit let him do that too. And so John, I love how he opens his gospel. We're going to look there real quick in, in the gospel of John 1, 1 through 5. It says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, uh, the word was God, and the word was God. Like, here he is. John starts out immediately. I just want to know, I want you to know who he is. Like, he was at the beginning with God, and he was God. And then it goes on in verse 2, and it says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made that were made. Now, I want you to look around and look at some of the things he made. All things that were made, you were made by him, you were made for him, you were made to be with him, and without him, nothing was made that was, has been made. And it goes on 
in, uh, in verse 4, in him was, what's that word, life. I love that. And the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then finally in verse 5, he goes on to say, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, that is right there, has not. Everybody say has not. Overcome it. Now, I know right now in this room, those in the house and those watching off from your house, that we live in a, in a time where things can get dark sometimes. We look around society and we can say, man, I can pick out a number of things. And some of us do that. You'll you want to look at when, I, I, I got I to be honest, sometimes when, when I'm going through, I can get caught up in looking at some event that happened. It's disastrous, like this train wreck that went on. And I want to, I just, I feel drawn to look at it. Like, I want to know this, what happened, who did what. And if we're not careful, many times we focus more on darkness than we do the light. And I want to tell you, Jesus came so that we could experience three things. And I'm going to break them down to three things. And everybody say, amen, when a preacher says three things. <laughs> you say, yes, Lord, amen. Some of y'all are like, Jesus, Easter's getting better all the time. Jesus came, the first thing, and it says that in John in five, in, in 4 and 5, Jesus didn't come to bring life. Jesus is life. He is life. Like that's, he exudes life. It's who he is. It's, it, it, he's in the beginning. He, he's from the very beginning and he saw us and that's all he can do. And that life is not just an ordinary life. It's this thing called Zoe life. It's this abundance. It's this, it's this enthralling, this, this uh, enthusiastic life that he came to impart within us. He came to give us that. Matter of fact, John 6, 35 says it this way, uh, John uh, Jesus talking, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. We would call that wonder bread. Um, but <laughs> if you walk any time with Jesus, you'll know he makes you wonder sometimes what he's doing. <laughs> you're like, I know you're the bread of life, but I'm wondering right now, what are you doing in my life and what are you trying to do? But he goes on, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me, it will in me will never be thirsty. So what he says is this. So he says, there, he's not talking a physical hunger. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get hungry. Some of y'all hungry right now. You can't wait. Y'all been preparing stuff and you're ready to go celebrate that. But right, he's talking about an inward hunger. This satisfies the soul, satisfies this deep longing with each one of us. Matter of fact, he even goes on in John 10, 10, talking about a thief that wants to steal from us. John 10, 10 says this, the thief, talking about Satan, talking about trying to rob us, the thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. So we have a real enemy that's out to wreak havoc on our lives. And sometimes, just being honest with y'all, I don't even need his help. I can do a good job on my own, <laughs> stealing, killing, and destroying my own self. But we do have a thief that does that. But this is the beauty, whether it's me or by this demonic thing that comes against me. Jesus goes on to say, I have come, what? That you may have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. What he's saying is, I came that you may have my life because I am life. And then again in John 14, 
And this was at the Last Supper, which if you were following Holy Week, this would have been on Friday, part of your reading. They're at the table, and Jesus is discussing, and, and John's, by the way, John's gospel goes into great detail. If you ever wanted to sit around and listen to a conversation at a dinner table, okay? Let's be honest. Some people, you're looking at Facebook, you're looking at Instagram, and they're posting about their life, and you want to know more about somebody's life, and you get stuck, like, and you start the scrolling process. Woo, woo, here we go, here we go. Ooh, ooh, woo. And you keep on going, and if you're not careful, you can get there for, I don't know, maybe days. <laughs> Some people get stuck there for hours. That's why I don't even turn it on, because I know if I start, you, alarm goes off. Hey, you got to go be somewhere. Anyhow, if you ever wanted to just sit around and see what was someone saying at their dinner table, John's gospel does it best. But I love when he talks about in John 14, he's talking about leaving the planet. And he's telling them, look, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. And anytime someone tells you don't do something, don't let your heart be troubled. How many of you know in there you, okay, why, what? It's kind of like years ago uh, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, we used to take the youth on a ski trip. Every year, yes, I was a youth pastor for 26 years right here, loving it, having a great time. Where's all some of my former youth in here? Where y'all at? Look at them. they right there. I love them, man. That's the joy of being here for so long. But we used to go to Gatlinburg, and I'll never forget, there's this Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. And on the side of the wall, there's this big crack. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been there in years. I, I, I go skiing, but it's Colorado now. But anyhow, snowboarding. But so it's this big crack, and the whole wall has this, you know, imaginary-looking crack on it. And then it comes down to one little glass thing, and it has above the sign, do not look. <laughs> Guess what everybody gets in line to do? <laughs> I got to see what that is. So when, when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. What? I'm, I'm, I, there's a chance my heart could be troubled. And he says, believe in God, believe also in me. And he tells him he's going to prepare a place for him. And then Thomas, who's my, I love him, my disciple I relate a lot to. If you've ever struggled with your faith, if you've ever struggled with your, with your walk with the Lord and you say, man, I'm just not, I just don't got it as much as I should. We look around and try to judge ourselves according to each other. Please let me encourage you as pastor, stop doing that including to me. That's why we greet each other. I want you to see each other, not me. I want you to connect as a body. But if you've ever struggled, Thomas is sitting there and Jesus told him, you know the way. And in verse five, he tells him, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say I was a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the very first thing that I want us to, to glean and lean into today in this beautiful uh, Sunday is first, Jesus is life, and he's life for you. He wants to give you that. He wants you to receive life, especially in those areas of your life where there's tension, where there's, where there's some brokenness, where there's some things that are bat you're battling. That's where he wants to show up. The second thing is and that's why we call this Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is the resurrection. <laughs> he is. He's not, it's not an event. 
It's a person. (laughs) Jesus is the resurrection. You go, hold it, I'm waiting for that day. No, the person Jesus, he is the resurrection. He is life. He brings, in, in, in the Greek, this anastasis. It is a raising up. It's a rising from the dead. He brings out of us the areas where we seem completely distraught, down, dead. Jesus says, I want to bring that to life. And he does that in three ways. He does it spiritually first. So every one of us have a spirit and on the inside, that's the very core of our being. And until we're, quote, born again, and that's what Jesus comes to do is to make us born spiritually, rebirth, that until that happens, we got a spirit man that's just laying dormant. It's there, but it's like you can hear things, you can hear the gospel, you can see things like I did for, you know, almost 23 years of my life. I went to church every Sunday, y'all, even when I moved out of mama's house. You know why? Because mama, I talk to my mama every week, and my mama's going to ask me one question. The only question she wanted to know, did you meet a nice girl? How's it going? How's the job going? None of that. The first question mama always asked me, did you go to church? (laughs) Yeah, mama, I went to church. Did you go to confession? No, I didn't want to freak the priest out, okay? I I wanted him to keep enjoying his life. It could have been very rough on him. (laughs) He'd have pulled that thing back. He'd have had to stick his head around and like, what? Anyhow, it's it's this thing of, of mama wanted to know. I tried to do that, the good thing. And I'm telling you, Jesus, when you when you receive his life and you become, quote, born again, where he births you by his spirit, and his spirit comes in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we're gonna be doing some teaching on Holy Spirit. That's the one that most people get freaked out about. Like we know about God the Father because we've got a father. We know about God the Son because we either got we either are a son or we got brothers and what have you. We know about that. But this thing about spirit, a lot of people get what? Holy Ghost. Woo! <laughs> Whoa, Holy Ghost. And they get a lot of things happen. And and really, let me just help you out. You know what the word Holy Spirit is in the Greek? It means it, it's called this pneuma. Pneuma. What do you think about when you think of the word? Pneuma, you think of breath, you think of air, you think, and so you take the Holy Spirit comes and breathes life on the inside of you and you become animated in a life, not by your own personality or the gifts he's given you, but by his spirit and all of a sudden it goes, I received something I didn't work for or earn. You get to do the same thing. So he is the resurrection. And matter of fact, in John 11, um, this is beautiful. In John 11, he tells uh, Martha, who comes to him, he's, he's got three best friends that he hung out with, hung out at their house. Uh, and, and Martha, Mary, and uh, Lazarus, and he'd been hanging out with them. And a week earlier, this, this is a week before this, the week before, um, he hears that his friend had passed, that his friend was sick. He knew exactly what was going to come, and he, was, he knew he was going to die. He waited purposefully, and then when he begins to show up, Martha, the, the sister of Mary, who had already corrected Mary for sitting and listening to Jesus, like, 
Jesus, tell Mary to come help me instead of sitting around doing nothing. Jesus is in their house hanging out, enjoying time together. And Jesus is teaching Mary and, and Mary's sitting at his feet. And Martha corrects her and says, she needs to help me. And I think that's one of my most hilarious scriptures because Martha's trying to prepare for Jesus being in the house and Jesus is already in the house. It's the same thing we do a lot of times. We think, let me help y'all. So we think if I get my life good enough, I get everything straight, I get all my habits, my hang-ups, and my, my hurts, I get all them settled up, and I get them straight, and I get them neat and tidy and in order, then Jesus is going to show up. Like, okay, now we can hang out. <laughs> and Martha's trying to get everything tidy and neat. Hey, Jesus, tell her to help me get everything. You're here. <laughs> and he's just sitting here going, hey, hey, Martha, you're troubled about many things. And many of us get troubled about many things. And Jesus told her, only one thing's important. She's chosen the better. And that is listening to me, receiving from me. And so here it is. It's funny because now Lazarus, her brother, is sick. And now he's already passed four days. He comes, Jesus comes walking up. And Martha's the one that runs to Jesus. Forget Mary. I don't know where you are. I need to hear from you. And, and she's questioning him, and she comes to him and says, she's like, Master, if you'd have been here, things would have been completely different. Like my brother would have think. And she, he asked her, do you believe in the resurrection? And she did. She, she quoted her Bible, her Sunday school verse, like, yes, I know there will be a resurrection. And then Jesus said to her, hey, let me, let me bring that home to you. In verse 25 and 26 of John 11, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I, I'm going to be resurrected. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And it goes on to say, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you? Because this is the question that all of eternity hinges on. <laughs> you got to come to the place either Jesus is who he says he is and did what he says he does, did what he says he do, or he didn't. So he asked Martha that, and this is the week before he's fixing to go and demonstrate what that looks like. And, and die on Friday and raise on Sunday. So Jesus is life. Jesus is the resurrection. It's not just an event. It's a person. And then this is the last one. I want to leave you with this. Jesus. He's still resurrecting people. He's still doing it today. You know why? Because we still need it today. And I'm not just talking about the people outside the church. Them, yes. I'm talking about us, y'all. I'm talking about us right here. Like, we've got hopes. We've got dreams. Let me ask you, what are, what are some of the things you've battled against? What are the things that continually come at you and say, hey, it's not going to work out? No, no. You know, some of us, you know, you might have a wayward child, and you're sitting there going, you've given up hope. And you're like, well, they're just never going to. Like, no, he wants to breathe life. He wants to breathe within us hopes and dreams. Think about 
families and marriages and situations. He's still resurrecting those areas of our life, spiritual, physical, and emotional. He, he breathes life. He brings resurrection to those. 1 Peter 1.3 says it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. It's alive. Hope lives here. It resides in, in the life of Jesus. It resides in the resurrection of Jesus. He goes on and says, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then probably, uh, I quoted this one earlier, and I'm just going to throw it up there because y'all need to, some of y'all need to hear this. I know you think that, that the new found um, thing that God uses, this thing called coffee that will resurrect you. And, and I know some people like, don't get me started, Mark. Do not mess with my coffee. Do not. Don't you touch that. <laughs> Juan Valdez will come and get me if y'all just like, watch out. I always cut up. Y'all think y'all need Juan Valdez and the spear of the burrow. Give that extra kick. Like, hello. Like, whoo. You know, give that extra kick in the morning. Well, I want to tell you, <laughs> Romans 8 says it best. And if, if, the, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. He gives that to us. He gives that to us. This morning, I want to encourage us. Life, resurrection, and resurrecting is not something I can do in and of myself. It's something I can receive. It's something he gives. It's something he continually gives. It's not a one-time event. It's not, hey, we, we, okay, we'll do this, and then we'll go into our other little thing. We'll go to our seat. This, this day lives with us every day. That I've got this resurrecting life, this, this life that lives in me. Why? So then I can share that with other people. Because there are people right now in your world in your sphere of influence that are living a life that if I place it on that screen you'd begin to weep to see some of it going on and Jesus wants to use us this life inside of us to bring life to those around us. But it first starts right here. It starts with the life Jesus gave me. And I love, I'm going to close with this. Philippians chapter 3. Paul, man, my man, Paul. Talk about another one I can't wait to spend some time with when I get to heaven. My boy, Paul, man. <laughs> You talk about a dude, I'm going to be like, bro, come on. How did you do that? I mean, here's a man who was so convinced of what he believed and what the direction he was going in. He was even willing to say, I'm going to do God a favor and kill these people that trust Jesus. I'm going after them, man. Y'all, you apostates, I am, you're going to be done. You don't get to do that. And then... In one moment, in one instant, he saw the light. 
You don't tell me resurrection's real. It'll take a man going completely 180 degrees in the wrong direction trying to kill people that believe in Jesus to the complete other way, like, go ahead and kill me. I don't care. I believe and trust so much. My life belongs to them. There's nothing you can do to me. And so in Philippians chapter 3, this is what he pins to the church of Philippi. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection in participation in his suffering. Man, we don't like that word. Whoa, Mark, easy. You were doing good. You had me till you got to that one. It hurts to help people. It hurts to be helped. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He goes on to say, not that I have already attained it, not that I've already got there. I've attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I say this to all of you, brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do, Forgetting forgetting what is behind. Now let me help you all real quick. We're wrapping this thing down. There's some people that can't forget what they've done. And there's some people that can't forget what's been done to them. Both of them. Both of them, not, not, not easy. That's not an easy thing, but, it, but it's important to understand if I'm going to move forward, I cannot be stuck back here looking this way. Another, there's another group who can't move past their successes because they sit and look at what they've done. And so it makes them no effective for the future because they're resting what we would call on their laurels. And they're resting on what has been instead of what they're doing right now. And so I say to each one of us, me included, we can never get to the place where we said, I'm done. Jesus said it's finished, but that was where we began. His finish line was our starting line. And so when Paul recognizes, he says, I got to forget what's back there. Because it'll either let me sit there and I just go, well, I don't have to do anything. I did enough good stuff. Or, hey, I, I don't want to go further because I'm, I'm locked into this. But he said, forget what's behind and straining. That's not an easy word. It's not an easy word. Straining towards what is ahead. And he goes on to say, I press on toward the goal to win the prize from which God has called me heavenward in Jesus. And I want to say to every one of you in this house, in this room, and those online, Jesus has called you heavenward. Like, he wants you. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants to instill you with his life, with his power, so then we could take and do the same for those around us. And it's my desire this morning, every one of us, including me, go all in on the fact that Jesus is not the resurrection. Jesus is resurrection 
Why is that so important? Because Jesus didn't wait to be, didn't want to be celebrated or thought of as a past or future event, but a present reality. Always, always, always. You see, if we come here this morning, we nostalgically look at this simple as something that happened back then that I get to go and I get my new duds on and I get to eat my candy and my chocolate and I get my, go do that. And then we move to the next thing. Okay, well, that was good. And we forget and we miss the fact that he's something that's happening right now in me and something that's happening right now in you, this resurrection life. It is here. He is meant not to be simply, uh, uh, it, it is not an event to just simply celebrate. It is an experience he wants you to have in your heart and in your soul. And all of these things, think about all the things in our world that needs resurrecting. Start with you for a minute. Take, let's do this. Close your eyes for just a moment. And the only reason I say this, the only way I know how you get alone in a crowded room. It's no spiritual thing. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Think about some of the things that need resurrecting in you. I think of the things that need resurrecting in me. Brought to life is what it's called. This thing of bringing to life, making it new. Bringing hope. Think about it in our own personal life. Think about it in your family. What needs to be brought to life in your family. See, in our world, there's sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission are the things I say and do. The, kins of, the, things of, the sins of omission are the things I fail to say and do that help build up and bring life and encouragement. What about in your relationships? What about in our country? What about in our city? In our marriages? What needs to come to life? And as you think of that, think who God wants to use to change that. Who is God wanting to use to change that? It's you. It's me. But we can't do it in our own strength and effort. We got to have that resurrection power. We got to have that power that says, hey, a man can lay in a grave for three days and of himself pop back up out of the grave to demonstrate life. And I, I end with this question. We're going to sing one song, and I want you to think about it. Do you believe this? Same thing you asked Martha. Do you believe you can resurrect your dreams? Do you believe he can resurrect your hopes? Do you believe he can resurrect your family? Do you believe he can resurrect your marriage? Do you believe he can resurrect your business? Do you believe he can resurrect, you name it, our country? Do you believe he can resurrect? This is where we get to get involved. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for leading us to this. Lord, thank you for coming alive on the inside. Help us today to forget those things that are behind and strain towards those things that are ahead that you're calling us heavenward. And Lord, we want to be having, have a heavenly impact here on this planet.
before we see you. This morning with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you'd say, Mark, I need, I need a resurrection myself. I'm going to ask you if you would, just slip your hand up wherever you are. I'm going to pray for you and pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. That's you. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. All over. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, right now. Yes. Thank you, Lord. All you're saying is, Lord, I got some stuff in here, and I need your help. I got to have it. I can't do this on my own. So I want to pray, Father, right now in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that you came. Jesus said you came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I thank you for your resurrecting life right now. I thank you right now, Jesus, for restoring hearts, restoring minds, restoring families right now. Lord, thank you for doing it. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, thank you for doing it in in Jesus' mighty name.